For full accident management support, including motor replacement, repairs and personal injury compensation claims, just search G4 Claims today. Hi and welcome to this week's episode of the DW Podcast. This week I am joined by Daniel Johnson. Thanks very much for coming on, Daniel. I mean, I mean, you don't have a script. You just did that. That would take me about five takes. You straight off the bat, Natural. you got that all done. What episode are we on now? Can we say, or would that ruin the episodes that we're supposed yeah, to? Yeah, that's about episode forty-one. So it, for those that are watching, if you've not listened to any other ones or not watched them, get back and, and check them out. How dare you? How Get back to number one. Listen to number one and go all the way through, like the Avengers. I'm doing that right now. With I the thought Avengers. you were going to pull me up there and give me a row for not getting you on until. No, no, no. I like that. I, I do it when it's good. You know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. Look, there's a bit of profile there. Right? And get, get this, on board. The guests you've had have been incredible. Like, I can't, listen. Let's not sit here and, and blow each other's trumpet. But okay. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll come on to it at some point because you've also got your own podcast. And for you to turn around and say to me, I've had good guests as a compliment because similar, similar to yourself. I had Joe for Mess Club. Just going to say, Joe for Mess Club. I probably wouldn't tell people this in a... <laughs> in fact, I shouldn't be telling people this, but... Uh, was this your first album you bought? I listened to your podcast with Joe O'Mara from Mess Club 7, which in itself, I shouldn't be telling people. If it wasn't yours, I might not have listened to it. But also, when we were at high school, uh, sorry, primary school, I performed in a talent show at S Club 7. What? How do I just know this now? I've known you for how many years, and... I'm going to put it out there and say there's probably a lot of people that don't know that. And the people that I've done it with, I'll, I'll probably not name them or they'll never speak to me ever again. The 10 people that listen to this podcast will now know. Come on. <laughs> it's very fun. good. Very good. <laughs> no, it was a primary school thing. We had a guy, David, who uh, I don't really see him anymore. He was my class at primary school and he done backflips. So I'm sure he was Bradley. I'm not sure, uh, wow, I'm not sure who was. I was. Yeah. There was a couple of girls in the class as well. Shelley was in. We actually practiced in her house beforehand and went and done it in the talent show. And unfortunately, we didn't win, but it's no surprise. Well, we can rectify that. Do you know what? We've got them here today, <laughs> and we're going to bring them. I'm joking. Absolutely that's not. That's, that's well in the past. <laughs> Cramping my style as I've ever had one. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Oh, sorry. We've got keys here. Sorry. Everything's going on. Thanks for listening to my podcast, though. No worries. And thanks for having me on your podcast. We're somewhere posh. Where are we? Yeah, so this is the first time I've recorded in here in the podcast room, right in the city centre in Glasgow, which is a fantastic space just off Wisefood Square, so... Very much thanks to them for We're being filmed as well, so I've been I'm being sucking in the whole time. Just I know, to I'm going to look a wee bit <coughs> A little bit of a staying inside, not going to the gym. No, I went for a run. You called me earlier and I was running in Tollcross. Um, there's some hills there. I think it's quite brave from a, a boy from Reading to be running around Tollcross as well. I, I had a Reading top on as well. So, because I put it on an Instagram just saying, oh, people listen to my podcast. Because that's all I do now. I now equate work as doing my podcast. Is it work? I'd say so, right? if, if you're certainly putting effort in it, you need to do a, a bit of research if you don't know the person. Listen, is it work, you enjoy it. There's, there's people out there that are grafting 9 to 5, you know, on building sites. and Listening to this? That's it, exactly. And that, I'd say that. that's work. I think it's hard to say that, you know, people that, obviously, you, you'll know yourself, you're a musician, a musician as well, and you've toured around the I'm going to put quotas there from musicians. Right, but, but listen, you, you've been on tour, and people that do things that they enjoy, it is work, but it's... It's hard to say it's work when you know that there's people out there grafting, doing things that they hate just to, to pay the bills. I guess if I was uh, being paid to sleep, I would call that work too, because that would be quite <laughs> annoying to be, oh, now I've got to go to sleep for eight hours, and then I get paid. That Actually, that might be quite a good job. What could I do to get that job, Derek? Is there anything That's I could do? That's a good do? question. Can we find out? Maybe like testing pillows. That would be good. Yeah. 
Do you have? Do you need a new sponsor? Maybe one of them could sponsor this as well. That's a good shoot. I don't Actually, know, I don't have a sponsor. Like maybe Sleepy Valley or something like that. That'd be good. Simba. I've tried to message them. They've not got back to me on Twitter. Same yeah. as uh, a lot of people. Anyway, what's not going on? What can it work? What, what's been happening with yourself? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, being at home and not being able to go out is... I think everyone was really worried about me because I live at home with my dog, Darcy. And uh, I think everyone's really worried about, oh, Dan's by himself. Is he going to be all right? Um, and then about five weeks into it, into it, all my friends are like, I would do anything to change places with you. My kids and family are driving me freaking <laughs> insane. Please, can I come and stay? Um, so, obviously, I started a podcast. Um, I started writing these talks. And uh, under the heading, Little Help. And obviously, when I did X Factor, which I'm sure we'll get into later, um, I sang a song called Little Help for My Friends, a Beatles song, which was sung by Joe Cocker, and then sang annoyingly by me. And we... I decided, because I coach football as well, wait a minute, how many things can I get into what I've done? I'm trying I'm to work out how you've got all this time to do I that. I don't have Especially any. Especially in lockdown. It's because I don't sleep, actually, so I'm not going to get sponsored by that mattress company anymore. Um, yeah, so I, I decided to write these talks, and one of the talks was about, like, finishing projects. And I've always said that I'm like an ideas man. I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to do, like, a children's book, I'm going to start a podcast, I'm going to, you know, write a sitcom, and I do none of those things. Like, I come up with the ideas, I do, like, one writing session, and I'm bored, and I don't want to do it anymore. And I started writing these sort of self-help sort of talks, just very simple, short, 10, 15-minute talks, and uh, one of them was called, uh, you know, Finishing Projects, and pretty much what I wanted to do is just have a project that I complete. And I think that was going to be the podcast. But what I had in my head in the first time is that we finish things all the time. So if you just think you're an idea person, I finish brushing my teeth. I finish going for a run. I finish, I did had a radio show uh, for a while. I finished that every single week and stuff like that. So it was to say that I don't finish things. I don't finish big projects because they take a long time. So you don't normally finish them for quite a long time. Um, so anyway, so these talks kind of help me and I'm going to be rolling them out to school and schools and businesses next year and just chatting away and they're going to chat back to me and then we're going to come back and have a little chat with them. So yeah, so we started the podcast, which is called Best Thing and uh, we've just had some fun, me and a guy called Adam Harris. So I don't know if you know um, that Adam has in the podcast a section called Fat Chicken. Yep. Yeah. Do you know what it means? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you yeah. know, yeah. So, for those that don't know what this uh, this is, is when I was speaking about um, doing the radio show beforehand and then doing the podcast, I said to Adam, "I love you to be part of it, and uh, you could be like fat checking." And he said, "Why would it, what fat chicken? Fat chicken?" And I was like, "No, but that's what now the whole project is called." So anyway, so he helps me in the podcast, and he sort of fat checks along the and way. They pop they went the podcast, didn't they? You know, Little pop ups, yeah, yeah. yeah, which is quite nice. You know what I mean? Um, I might have stolen it from other people's podcasts, Adam Boxer. Um, yeah, it's a good one. And uh, and then we've got brand new music every single week with Bethia, um, who's an artist in her own right. And then we have a different guest, uh, Bethia and Adam's been guests. And then we had Joe Amara, your friend, um, just <laughs> in there, um, and. Uh, We've had some lovely guests in there. We've had uh, Ben Haynell. He won X Factor, X Factor yep. uh, back in the day. And uh, and some other ones. And then we started recording season two, which has been incredible. I can't believe that we're doing it. And now we've got ideas for season three. And you know what it's like? It just runs away. I've stopped talking. Now, so. Not at all. No, it's, it's been exciting. You know, it's, it's been great to see your podcast growing and growing as well. And, you know, let's, let's go back to these feel-good, you know, presentations and things that you want to be doing in schools. 
you were talking about that. Is that something that you done for yourself because you wanted to, you know, complete these tasks that you're talking about? Or is it something that you want to do for yourself, but then once you've done it for yourself, you realised, you know, this will help other people as well? I just thought, why don't I have another thing that I need to put on my diary to have to do? Because <laughs> you've got loads of time but to listen, have, you know. If you've seen, you know, that you're, you're putting these task lists together and you're saying, I want to get finished this project, and if that's helping you, you know, these things that you've done, if you can go out and roll that out to other people and make a difference to them, then surely that's rewarding. Yeah, no, it, hopefully it does work. So I coach uh, an under-14s football team, which is now kind of freaking me out a little bit because they're better than me. <laughs> and so, you know, it's fine when you coach them when they're like under-7s because you can just, it's relatively quite easy because yeah. I can, you know, skill a seven-year-old is easy, right? But now they're like 14 and I can smash the ball pretty hard. Um and actually really good players. I and mean, we had a game the other week and first game back. And um, we were dominant and strong. And, you know, and you so... surprised there as if, the, as if you should be getting shoved off the ball? No, you? I think that our team are very lovely. They go on, like, holidays at Easter and Christmas and, you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're quite privileged. Privileged families right. and stuff like that. And so they do get bullied a little bit off the ball. But they've come back in a huge... You know what I mean? Because yeah. th that's their sort of age. And so, so, so doing teaching and stuff like that, I felt like, why don't I, you know, I try and give these little quotes and, and help them out and give them a bit of positivity and, and think about how to sort out different projects and different ideas in their head. And I just wrote the first one, which is called You. And we talk about bullying. And now bullying is a really funny thing because I think if you ask a class, how many people in this class have been bullied? pretty much everyone will put their hand up. Um, and then you ask the other question, how many people um, have you bullied? Nobody puts their hand up. It's so funny, no one. And then I stop, and I'm like, sorry, um, thank you for no one putting your hand up. But I didn't finish the question. The question was, put your hand up if you bullied anyone, including brothers and sisters. You see everyone's hand go up. You know what I mean? Because everyone has been bullied but everyone has the capacity and probably has given someone a hard time even if they think they haven't yeah and, and subconsciously they might not realize that they're bullying that's not an excuse for it but you know it's no so you know what it's like to get bullied and you know what it's like to bully okay so right. that's one of the things that can happen and then I, I i i talk about this quick story about um when i was teaching there was a kid who um was getting really badly bullied at school and we sort of were trying to sort it out get this all, all sorted and uh i said oh can i um we're gonna we're going to organise this and we're going to get you sat down and we're going to have a little chat and we'll talk to the other kid about it. But let me ask you a couple of questions. I said, if you um, could choose to be bullied at school, which you are, or bullied at home, which one would you choose? And he said, uh, bullied at school. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, when you go home, does anyone at home help you with your homework? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, do you have like a hot meal every single time? Do you get breakfast? Yeah. Um, do you get tucked in, uh, read a story? Do you have books at home? Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. I asked the other kid that's giving you a hard time and is bullying you the same questions. And they said no to every single question. You've already told me that you wouldn't change places with him by your answers, by saying that I don't want to get bullied at home. Well, you don't get bullied at home. You have this lovely home life. You're just getting a really hard time at school. And if I said, would you change places with them? They said no. And as soon as that happened, it's not that the bullying stopped. They stopped feeling that they were a victim all the time. And as soon as the victim had sort of left, and this doesn't work for everyone, but as soon as the victim had left, then the bullying kind of calmed down. 
and they didn't get a hard time. And they're not friends. Don't get me wrong, they were never friends. But it was just a different perspective. They took one step back and they didn't go, oh, no, it's against me. It's always against me. They just said, oh, oh I don't, they're going through a really tough time. I've never thought that. And it's these talks are there just to kind of help people think slightly differently. Um, I've always said, like, some people say, you know, if one door opens, uh, it closes, another door, another door opens. I was, I've always said, well, if one door closes, just open it. I didn't say it was locked. Sure. Like, why, yeah. why have you just, oh, it's closed. You're like, well, just do that, you know. So I'm trying to give these little kind of quotes and kind of help out kids. And, you know, sometimes they just look at me like a bit bamboozled, like, um, what? But uh, it is quite nice to... Um, that's great, isn't it? It's about seeing the bigger picture as well, and I think often, you know, especially in classroom situations, people don't see that. And I'm not judging teachers here in the slightest, but I also think that, and quite rightly so, the teacher will always take the side of the person that's being bullied. But you know, there's all always are often underlying issues to say why this person is acting like that, and maybe not just bullied. You know, people that are maybe, and you'll know yourself, Daniel. We'll, we'll talk about this and as well. You before you know you into your, your career just now, you were a teacher, you were a drama teacher. Yeah. And and you'll know this yourself. There's there's kids that might misbehave in class or they you know they might be erratic or they might be, you know, chucking their toys out the pram, so to speak. But often that's because what's happening in their personal life and what's happening, you know, away from school, the things that the teachers aren't seeing. So I, I don't know how what what is the right in your opinion, what's the right way to deal with this if you're a teacher? Should on everything, ask the question why. It's really important to ask the question why for every single thing that happens. So I've always said this, um, and it's kind of slightly controversial. I'll probably get told off about it. But if someone is racist or homophobic or misogynistic or whatever, instead of just going, right, you're bad, I hate you, we're never going to be, you know, I'm going to cancel you, all this stuff like that, just ask them why. Figure out what's going on. What's your reason? Are you monetized for this? Are you getting paid to do this? Or something happened in your past or your 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 version of something is not great or you've never met anyone who's trans or you never and you just got an idea of it you know it's a bit like a theme park ride it seems scarier watching it yep. but being on it eh. and when you're finished you're like that was awesome yeah it's, it's interesting but i think and I, and I totally agree with you there's it's very hard to put yourself in these shoes and often we don't but at, at what point do you then think you know for example if you're being racist if you're being misogynistic if you've been homophobic what point do you just think it's ignorant you know, in some situations, I would say maybe people are just being ignorant, but also it's because of their upbringing, isn't it? It's because sometimes that they know no different. Um, so, put it this way. I think sometimes, not all the times, but if you tell people... Okay, I'll ask you a question. What kills Superman? No idea. Kryptonite. Yeah? Right, okay. Sorry, I'm not a big Superman Every fan. single... Oh Cut goodness, off guard whatever. there, man. Sorry. Sorry, we'll, 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 we'll redo that again. Sorry, here we go. Uh, what Try kills Superman? Kryptonite. No, it's actually pork pies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we know this. Yeah. His enemies know this. And so they use it. So if I find out something you don't like or can really hurt you, say, oh, you're acting like your mother-in-law or whatever, you'll be like, what? And you know what I mean? You know, those little things that you can get under people's skin, like in relationships, in families and stuff. You know You know how to press them. the buttons as well. I think that that's what people do. I don't think that people always think the way that they're perceived to think. I just know how they're going to hurt you. So if they can call you something that's going to get under your skin, make you go mad, lose your mind, film you, show your reaction, they're going to get something from it. Stop. Telling everyone what your kryptonite is. Uh, like, it's... I literally tell no one <laughs> what will destroy me. 
because then they They'll don't destroy know. you. If yeah, you know, yeah, of course. And it, it's it's great to hear that as well, Daniel, because you know your background. You you were brought up in England. You know from a mixed race family, I believe. Yeah, um, and, and, and you know, and later later in life, you came out as gay as well. And, yeah, and you you will be someone who has experience. I'm ticking a lot of boxes for the BBC here. I can definitely get any job there. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know. Uh, you, uh, I would imagine that you have experienced, and your parents certainly experienced situations because when they, and we spoke about this before off camera, when they first became to, came together, it wasn't you know the the thing to be done. Oh yeah, time. no, people would look at them in the street and they'd be like, oh no. And I, I remember my mum saying that he used to go before I was born. He used to go to gay clubs because it was the only place they didn't get any crap. Like no one would give him a hard time because everyone was you know a, a minority there and everyone was just getting on with their own stuff. You know, things are good, but it's one of those quotes, and people hate when people say this. How we live now is the best that humanity has ever lived, right? In the Western world, but probably in the whole world. You go back 100 years, do you want to go to the dentist 100 years? Do you want to go to the toilet 40, you know, 400 years ago? Do you want to, you know, what we have now, like we should praise the fact that we can have a toilet in our house because our grandparents had to go to a hut in the garden. That they shared with the rest of the <laughs> flat, you know. <laughs> We're probably the worst toilet paper ever. You if know what I mean? If there was any, eh? There probably wasn't any toilet paper, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so we complain about a lot in life. And I think the main reason why we complain, and yeah, again, this is controversial as well, but I think we're bored. But right, well, let's not get too political on this. Show, right? but, but you're, you're saying you know that this is the best time that we've ever had, and, and and looking forward, you know, you've got people like Trump, who's obviously causing a a lot of a stir, you know, across the world as well. You know, is it really the best time? It's the most privileged time. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd agree with that. But I certainly think that just because that time has evolved, it doesn't necessarily mean we can't evolve more. No, no, no. The best time today. Tomorrow's got to be better. The next day's got to be better, sure. and that's fine. But to date, yeah, there are dictators that we don't like and there are situations, blah, blah, blah. But the best way of getting them not to be in power is to make sure that people vote correctly or correct, or vote for what they think is, is right and stuff like that. But it's it's got to be fair. Yeah. And I think, but unfortunately, turkeys don't vote for Christmas. So if, it, if, you know, if, if, if anything like that, political-wise, is against you and you lose loads of money, you're probably not going to vote for that party if you worked really, really hard and you want to keep your money or whatever. Like, it's really difficult to be like, oh, I want to be make sure everyone's really fair. Because I think fairness comes later. I think if you, make, if you do your business, you get really successful, all you want to do is give back because you want to matter. But in the, in the beginning of the first 10, 15 years of doing your business, it's really hard to give back because, you know, just doing a podcast, how many hours do you spend doing this? I mean, we have a wonderful producer, so we don't have to do too much right now. But, you know, it is. It, so I'm not saying that I don't think life is difficult, but put it in perspective. Like I can walk around town and I could hold my partner's hand and no one's going to say anything. And if they do, they're going to get crap. They're going to get a hard time. My parents in the house, my dad would just be beaten up. You know what I mean? They can they can do that. That doesn't really happen now. And if it does happen, everyone else will support them and and be there for them. You know what I mean? And and, and I think how far we've come. You know, having Barack Obama and 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 people can get married to whoever they want to now and stuff like that. Like we've come so crazy far. A couple of steps back, but then we push it back again. And you know what I mean? It's always a pendulum swing. We're just on the other side of the pendulum swing right now. And how was life for you growing up then? Was did you feel that you had these challenges or did you feel that you had, you had quite a good upbringing, you know, you were quite happy as a child and 
yeah. it shaped you as who you are today? I was like such a needy kid. Like, a, can you imagine this? Um, kid? Such a needy kid? I'm so needy. Not changed one bit. No, I'm really needy in person now <laughs> as well. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. But uh, uh, yeah, and so I just threw myself at uh, other friends and families and and I just loved other people's company and I was kind of a happy-go-lucky kid and, uh, and they say, you know, I was quite tidy without being, you know, too crazy OCD and stuff. But it, family was good. I mean, there was a couple of sad moments that happened but that's everyone's family and we kind of just get through that and you know it, it only becomes complicated when you grow up and then you realize your parents are your parents <laughs> you know what i mean and no offense to them but i feel like no matter what your parents do they've always done something you know their advice is terrible because it's their advice and happened to them but not to you and they didn't make you work through it or you know i always got and i'll get told off of this from my mum but i always got told of like never have a credit card I was like, no, no. The advice what should be is um, have a credit card, but manage it to have a credit rating. You know what I mean? Like to never have one means that you'll never have a credit like credit rating, which you, you can't buy a phone, can't get a mortgage because you've never had been trusted with money and paid it back. It's difficult if you go to university because we all go and spunk it on alcohol <laughs> and crisps. Um, you know, but it's, I think one of the things is I, I'd, Parents' generation have this really difficult situation of that. And I've always said it, that my mum's relationship with her parents, like, they never said I loved you, never hugged them. No, like, if you ask your parents, like, do your, you know, my nan and stuff, you hug you and stuff, and they're like, no. They say I love you. Even probably to this day, not really that close. But then they watch you come along, and then they hug you, and they kiss you. And they're watching their parents and never said I love you. Say it to their kids, but not to them. And it's so weird. And that must be hard as well. Oh, it's it's so horrible. Yeah. Like, it's such a weird thing to happen. But I think, like, later in life, you start, and it's like the giving back thing. You're like, oh, I, I kind of messed up in this little bit. So now I can give back. And also, I can give these kids back. So if they <laughs> annoy me, they, <laughs> they can go. So, I mean, family life-wise was, was, was nice. We, we grew up in um, just outside London place called Hayes which wasn't the nicest area but I made nice friends and uh, and then when I left when I was sort of 13 I moved to Reading for my dad's work uh, he was just a delivering driver but he got this really good job in Reading and he actually lost his driving license in London and so my mum had to drive for him so my mum and dad were working together mum was driving he was doing deliveries and that made mum like Reading so it was a really weird thing. So then we moved to Reading and then I got involved in this, like this theatre company thing. I mean, how cool. I also did play football, so I kind of got away with it a little bit. And uh, yeah, and it was just a, a really nice experience. And we were in this leafy green place where the only policeman was on a bike and we knew his name. And He wasn't able to catch you. He couldn't catch us. Actually, he was really quick. <laughs> but we didn't do anything, you know. I mean, the most we did is probably have, like, a Friday night and have some diamond white in the park, you know. Um, we weren't really naughty. And we had a youth club. We were super lucky and massively privileged. We had a youth club Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Like, who had that? Especially in today's world, you know, it's almost yeah, never heard of. I know, but I don't know if they respect it anymore. I think, like, Oh, that's controversial. I know, of course. But I feel like the problem is... is it, they allow one person to spoil stuff. So if one person does something, like, we're not doing it anymore. And then everyone gets caught up the same thing. Collective punishment, I'm very much against collective punishment. It's it's not needed. Just punish the person who did it. (laughs) And then they can come back and all that stuff like that. But it is, you know, it's, we were super lucky. And and those things just don't exist anymore because 
I think that they would like them to exist. I don't know if kids would go to them. It's an interesting point because there's so much more out there for kids. Yeah, I'm not going to go off on a tangent. You know, we're, we're here to talk about yourself. We had four channels as growing up. Right. Like we had like no, nothing. We had like kids TV for an hour, and then I, I was into Neighbours. Neighbours. What teenagers into Neighbours now? A decent theme tune to be fair. <laughs> neighbours. <laughs> Sorry, we won't sing anymore. We have to pay for it. Yeah, no, totally. You're absolutely right. You know, kids are spoiled for choice. You know, they've got YouTube, they've got computer games, they've got so much more than, than you know even we had and we a lot more than our parents before that. But you know, I are they happier though? Don't know. I don't know either. And we're teenagers. <laughs> I think they're all grumpy, and they just grumpy. My nephew's a teenager. He's grumpier than anything. So you think the uh, the the group that you were involved in, the drama group, shaped you for, for who you were in later life? Because obviously you, your, your first you know professional job was obviously a drama teacher. Mm. Yeah, I mean, everyone goes into teaching because it's really stable and they, they want to sort of give something back. Um, I think when I went to like stage school, it's called Star Maker, all of my friends, I have to apologise to anyone I meet new now, they were like, oh, how do you know, um, I'm from Star Maker. Oh, did you, um, yeah, they're from Star Maker. Like, majority of my friends are from this little reading based theatre company that went on to do some great stuff. I mean, even I'm not friends with her. I would just drop in. Maybe I am. Uh, even Kate Winslet went there. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. it was like this prestigious kind of place. But yet again, when Youth Club finished, I joined Star Maker when I was 16. And that was every Wednesday, Friday and Sunday. Like what? Like we couldn't get in trouble because we didn't have time to get in trouble. We had homework and then we had Star Maker. Mm. That was it. And we put on shows like every single week. So Getting into that and then, you know, I went to drama school. I went to arts educational in, in London. Absolutely hated it. Not Why? anyone there. What age were you when you done that? <sighs> like 19 and it just... And did you move to London or did yeah. you get the train? No, I moved oh. I moved to London and, uh, and Leafy Chiswick. And it I was... Mean, come on, surely like 19, moving to London. Oh, it's amazing. Day, that sounds brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it was. I have imposter syndrome. And I don't know if, if, if I think that's a massive thing here in the in the west of Scotland as well, Daniel. You know that people have got so much talent, you know, and and you know so much energy, but they, they feel that they're just not good enough. And and maybe that's because there's they've been told that they're not good enough. But I think imposter syndrome is a thing that's it's really rife, certainly here in, in Scotland. I have an Ollie Murs story. Let's do this one. Um, so obviously we did the show together, and I went to a, a gig with him, and he was like a little late, not really late, but a little late. But there was like a thousand people. It was me and another guy called Jamie from the show. And Ollie got on stage, sang, and there was one person in the audience, and he had his middle finger up to Ollie, like really angry, serious face, his middle finger up like the whole time. We'll just so do where, when was this? Was it about uh, this, this, this yeah, was that this, X Factor? Yeah, this is right, just okay, after okay, post X Factor. I've skipped over. And, and I'm just talking about imposter syndrome and situations, yeah, and yeah. This, you know, he's done very well. And I turned to Jamie, and I was like, and there's a thousand people screaming for him. Mm -hmm. And there's one guy in the corner, finger up. And I turned to Jamie, I was like, he's not going to be happy. And it, I knew because that is life. You focus on the negative. What are you doing? And he came off stage and he's really upset. Now, one thing is, there was a thousand people that we could have focused on, or he could have focused on, but he didn't choose to. Or he could have called him out. And he'd be like, not in a bad way, be like, mate, I know your girlfriend's probably dragged you here. Um, I finish in 32 minutes and I'll buy you a drink. Got you? You know what I mean? Or whatever. But instead, you allow these people to infect you. Yeah, they get in your head. I get like I get daily stuff. I'm not going to name people and stuff. Like that. I get daily stuff 
on social media of people saying shit. I actually don't care. Like, if you can take a little time out of your time life, like we have a tiny life and you want to just give me crap. Really? Like go after George Clooney. Go after like, like I mean, don't go after George Clooney, but you know, go after me. Why why go after me? It's so weird. And maybe they just want a response. Maybe they just want someone to say, hey, and this comes back to it. Why? What's going on? What would you know, is it me? You know. Why did you have imposter syndrome when you went to London? What would you put that down to? Everyone was so good. Really? Yeah. Everyone was so good. And and and, and I think that you put yourself I don't think you lean into your superpower. And we talk about this with the, a lot with the kids and the talks that we got to, you got to lean into your superpower and teaching is this too, right? Teaching is not teaching kids that are smart, that are just going to get A's. That ain't teaching. They're going to get it no matter if you're their teacher or the bin is their teacher, right? The teaching for me is making sure that everyone is at a level of the best that they can do. Not the best that anyone else can do, the best that they can do. It's a bit like having a, you know, looking in a mirror while watching the Olympics and going, oh, well, I don't look like them. Yeah, well, they've been doing it since they were five and they are also 19 and you're 30. So that's probably why, you know what I mean? Yeah. But why don't you get in the best shape that you can get in? You know what I mean? You're trying to say I need to get in better shape? I'm you're not you're pointing, pointing at you. Either, I'm not pointing at you. Try it. You're, you're, you're wonderful, wonderful shape. Yes. No, that's fine. Nice haircut. Well. No, no, no. Nice haircut. Um, <laughs> so it, 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 is, it is one of those, I think that, we put ourselves up against other people and I feel like maybe we shouldn't, maybe we should like be a bit more free and not give ourselves the hardest time. But then at the same time, I also just think I'm shit. And I said this in a in, in, in newspaper interview the other day and then they literally ran with that. <laughs> Dad thinks he's shit. But uh, it's, it's, it's only because it's a bit of a grounding. You do anything good. I came out of, when I came out of X Factor, the first thing I did is when I played five-a-side football on the Monday. I did all my press, did Lorraine, did This Morning, blah, blah, blah. And then I went and played five-a-side football. And my friend's like, still shit at kicking the ball, though. <laughs> they put you back in where you 100%. should be. Yeah, yeah, bring you back down there. Because you need it. You need that guy in the crowd to put up his middle finger. You need that. Because life can't always be 100%. If it's at least 70% good, if you're doing a degree... That's a first. That's enough. You don't have to have it more than that. And that's the thing. Don't focus on the 30% that is crap. Focus on the 70% that's amazing. That's a good But I also feel things, like, yeah. I also feel like, you know, someone's going to... But, but then, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to say that looking back, but when you were going to do your college work, your uni work, you know, you're, you're almost focusing on that 30%. And it's only maybe in later life, once you've got more life experience that you realise... Look at the 70% here that... Well, I'm you thinking. have to tell people, and I, I yeah. tell my friends and family, don't ever do this. Don't guess. Don't guess what people think about you. Don't guess what the idea... Don't guess that someone's going to be annoyed if you phone them. Don't guess that if someone's died in their family that you shouldn't phone them. Don't don't guess. Do it, and then they'll tell you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel like one of the things that we kind of do is we get misled by our kind of thinking like, oh, I don't want to do this. And so when I was at, when I was at uni... I just found it so difficult that I I didn't know where I stood. And I thought, why am I here? What am I doing? So I left in second year. And uh, it was quite weird because a few of the teachers cried 
I have no idea why. Maybe they fancied me or something. Um, and so it's fine. I was old enough. And actually, I did work with a few of them afterwards. But um, and I went to New York for a little while and to find myself. But actually, just my friend's sister had an apartment there, so we just went in for a little while. And then I joined a boy band. And that what were they called? Oh, let's. Why would you do that? What were they called? Come on. Uh, they were called Upfront. Right. Okay. Um, and actually, they were on. Um, uh, when we left, nothing to do with us. Um, the manager. So were they American? So you went. No, no, no. no. So I came back. Um, they were just in Essex, right. and I came back and joined this band. Um, and Adam Harris, who's in the podcast, um, he was in the band too. Really? And so th- that we've been friends for such a long time. And he, um, he pretty much uh, this guy who put the band together, he'd been st- stealing other people's money, and then investing it, but not really, and then spending money on us. Anyway, he was on Watchdog. <laughs> We left this band, um, and then like three of us kind of left the band, got another guy in, and then we were called Street Level, um, because we were in a lift once, and we were trying to figure out a name, and it was like, you've now arrived on Street Level. I was like, okay, that, well, that's, that. our, that's our name. Um, and yeah, and then and then I realized that none of that was going to work. Actually, I'll give you an exclusive here. I don't think I've ever told this story. So Adam's nan lived near Simon Cowell, and used to walk the dogs, near where Simon Cowell's... Oh, no, Simon Cowell's mum, anyway. Um, I used to walk the dog friend Simon Cowell's mum. And um, so she was out and saw Simon Cowell's mum around and they all just got in talking. She's like, oh, my nephew's into singing. It's like, oh, my uh, son's into music as well. It's like, oh, fantastic. It's like, well, why don't you drop over your nephew's song, uh, you know, your grandchild's song, and, and then you can, um, you know, I'll give it to my son, Simon Cowell. And anyway, so five months later, Simon Cowell phones us and says, why don't you come in for... A meeting so we're just this band this is early 2000s coming in for this meeting and we sang in front of him and he was like yeah cool i'd really like you to do x factor so this is x factor series three so the year leona lewis one and me and adam said we don't want to do it like we're not doing it and then three years later i did x factor and not many people knew that story but some of the people that didn't they were like, oh did simon recognize you i was like i don't know if simon knows it's cleaner you know what I mean? Like it was three years ago, um, some chump in some boy band sort of sings in his office and stuff like that. But yeah, it was a weird experience to kind of be in a boy band, sing in front of Simon Carroll. He wants you to do the X Factor and then you go and do it as a solo artist later. Obviously, probably more money. Do you regret it? Do you regret not going that year? No. No? No. Why? Because Leona Lewis would have kicked her butt. Also, <laughs> I came fourth in 2009. I might have come like, I might have got to boot camp or something. But you might have won. And not against the owner. Come on. No. No. What was it like turning up to, to see him and sing in front of him when you're, you know, in a boy band? That, had you played many gigs at that time? Had you? None. Were you terrified? Uh, probably like starstruck more than terrified. But no, we'd, we'd played no shows. And we'd just been practicing in like a studio. And where was it in his house you went to meet him? No, that'd be uh, creepy, wouldn't it? That's true. Simon takes uh, 19-year-olds to his house. <laughs> he where where he did they take you? Uh, we went to uh, Universal. Maybe it's Sony, something like that. Right, yeah, okay. yeah, in, in, in Putney. I think it was in Putney. But yeah, so... Uh, and and that, that, was, that was the outcome, so he didn't say, I want to sign you. He, <coughs> want, he said, I want you to go on X Factor. The only person, Simon, the only person Simon Cowell has signed since Pop Idol that hasn't done the show, do you know who this is? No idea. Labyrinth. Really? The only person. That doesn't seem like a How Simon weird. Cowell act, does it? No? How weird. Yeah, but then Labyrinth writes songs for everyone, doesn't he? So right, okay. you probably haven't been there to do some work. But yeah, Labyrinth. So l- let's fast forward those three years. What, oh, what yeah. made you change your mind and, and go on there? Because 
Oh, the kids at before. school. The kids at school. Really? Yeah, I'm going to name check him there. Um, Sam Chapman, who's doing very well. Doing very well. Um, yeah, he was like, oh, sir, you should like do X Factor or whatever. He doesn't speak like that, but I just... It's, but it's funny because you, you said earlier, you know, you went into teaching or people, people go into teaching because it's quite a secure job. You know, <laughs> were, were you thinking at this point, I've had enough of teaching or were you thinking I've got a yeah, talent? Yeah, kids are annoying. You know what I mean? You're like, just got, I'm joking. But you're like, I didn't want to. So, um, but it would shut them up. So I said to them, look, I'll audition for the show, but when I don't get through, you can never bring it up again. And they're like, we won't because we've only got you for this year and then we have someone else. I was like, okay. So did you sing in class? What do you? So we actually do a parent uh, and teacher singing concert show. Right. Uh, and dancing and all that stuff. But no one wants to be the teacher that danced. Like, ugh, that's horrible, isn't it? Like, teacher dancing. Anyway, so I sang a song. I don't even know what it was. And they were like, yeah, you should do X Factor. So I was like, right, okay. So if I do it, then shut up when I don't get through. And then I did it. And they were like, how did it go? And I was like, yeah, I got through the boot camp and it went all right. And they're like, oh, did you get like, did anyone like stand up or did you get how many yeses? I went, no, I got four yeses. Like, oh, cool. I was like, yeah, okay. And I worked a gap part-time. So I'd finish school and then I'd go and work a gap. And um, the audition came on TV. I'm still working a gap. I don't know how far I'm going to get through. I think we only got for judges' houses maybe at this point. So we still could just go back into our normal lives. And uh, I remember someone coming up to me and just going, um, do you have this in a small, what, are you, what? How, why are you working here? I was like, because uh, uh, I haven't made it yet. You know what I mean? Like, so it was, a, it was a weird, it was a weird thing to, to audition for. And uh, my sister came along and my now brother-in-law and my friend Jess, and we just sat there for like 10 hours. And I said to them, where was it, the O2? One no, the, the first audition was at the O2. Yeah. And then the second audition was at the Emirates. Third audition was at the Emirates. And the fourth was at the Excel with the judges. And I was like, okay, I've got this. So you don't meet the judges until the fourth audition? No. I mean, I think people know that now. Mm. Yeah, They also f uh, pretend to fly you first class to judges' houses and then make you sit back in the economy. <laughs> That's gotten. Yeah. They take the champagne off you. I downed mine. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so we auditioned, I auditioned at the XO and I, I got up to the one of the producers and I said, oh, I've been here for like a while. Um, can you, am, am I still being seen? And, like, and this is the response. Went, oh, you're still here. I was like, they expect oh, people just to go home. Crap. Yeah, well, I don't know because it wasn't like a busy day. We're like fourth audition. Like, yeah. come on. Dermot hadn't chatted to me. Actually, they used my sister and my friend Jess because they were attractive girls to be behind someone else's background to talk uh, in someone else's background while they're filming a different contestant. And I was like, I have no chance. Uh, so anyway, so I did my audition, and obviously you can see that on YouTube. It's got a few, um, a few hundred. But few that hundred. audition, Simon Cowell says it's, it's the best audition you've ever seen. I did pay him for that. Obviously, I met him three years before, so yeah, this has been a say. whole ploy. Yeah, exclusive. It's no. all sounding a bit he, now, he, totally, he totally didn't recognise me at all. Um, but he did, you know? No, he didn't. Well, he didn't. Well, he said some lovely stuff, but he still called me Daniel. Like, you know what I mean? If he knew me, he would have at least called me Dan. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, 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 I'm saying, but he, he was very complimentary of you. He was very complimentary. I think he fancied me. There you go, we just used that. Um, no, he didn't. Um, it was Louis. No, you're you're backtracking. <laughs> <laughs> they both did. No, it was definitely Danny and Cheryl. I mean, they winked at me and, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, it was a weird... It was a weird sort of place to be in because when when I got up onto that stage the first time and sang, even before I started singing, 
like someone wolf whistled in the, in the audience and stuff like that. I was wearing like some really rubbish outfit and um, from Gap actually. I actually got sponsored by Gap. It was great. Um, and uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so and someone wolf whistled. And then I said that I was a teacher. And then from that moment, the whole audience were on my side. So whenever I was going to sing, they were just happy. And then I, I just felt like a bit of a freedom. Because I always feel like if you're on stage, no matter how good you are, if the audience don't like you, then you're shit. You're going. You're not, you're not going to do this. But if they like you, then it's fine. You know what I mean? It makes such a difference. So if you can do that and be kind of likable and stuff, and then you can kind of take the piss a bit, you know what I mean, and just have a little bit of fun. And that's what I kind of did. And then I came, came off the stage, and then Dermot had turned to one of the producers and went, have we done any filming with this guy? And they're like, no. So I had to go and film like I had an audition for the show. <laughs> and it look, when you watch it on telly, not that I watch it too often. But when You're you watch, lying. Uh, You've watched it many yeah. times. All those 500 views I've got. Thank you very much. No, no, I've certainly watched your audition a few times. But Thanks, man. No, when, when you watch X Factor or Britain's Got Talent or anything on the telly, it seems so seamless. You know, it's not as if they're, they're taking people after. I love it. So we've got a lovely producer here right now, and he's got buttons and stuff, and he pushes things up so we can, when I talk too much, he can make me go quiet. Um, but if you watch the TV auditions, they have a shot of just pushing the button. I mean, I'm just calling it the button right now because I have no The slider, whatever. And all the way up. I was like, that's just a cutaway. Yeah, you know, that's not even real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, and also, how is that needed? Wait, one second, they're just about to sing. We'll just push it. There you go, that. That's what we need to see as a visual. But yeah, um, um, the whole experience of X Factor is the weirdest thing ever. And I would, uh, I would, I'd say everyone should do it. You should definitely do it. You should do it. I know you've got a karaoke booth back there. Um, but yeah, you should... Uh, would you say it's a positive experience? Because there's, there's so much, you know, you, you're chucked in there at such a, maybe not yourself, but people are chucked in there at such a young age, you know. Obviously for yourself, you've done so much off the back X Factor, but I don't think you hear a lot about the negative things, you know, that people that maybe just don't, quite get to where they were and they're kind of forgot about or they're you know that people put themselves out there in my opinion you know and they're, they're on the telly and with social media nowadays you get so much abuse online you know you mentioned earlier you've got these people every single day that will send you shit online yeah but that's just my mum so it's just <laughs> keep me grounded <laughs> what would you say would, would you say it's a positive or a, or a negative experience it's both it's life you yeah. know what i mean like uh, you can never think like if you soon as you say things like oh this is so positive you know it only takes one thing for it to be absolutely crap and negative and you you know and, and stuff like that so it is both it was a really incredibly amazing time i think it gave my family ptsd and they can't even hear the theme tune anymore but you know they were there the thing is if if someone's saying something really horrible to you, you can just deal with it, right? Sure. But if they start saying about your family, you're like, mm, I'm going to have to, yeah. you know, tell you off. Um, and I think that's why my family sat, that they had to watch this show kind of give me a hard time. You know, we're on the same show as Jedward. They got a hard time too. You know, there was other people on there, Jamie Archer and stuff. That, you know, people got hard times. But I, I came fourth in the show. You know, and it's allowed me to be a glorified Keith Chegwin and be giving out big golden envelopes to people in the streets. And I do love my job. Um, you know, and it's allowed me to travel the world. It's allowed me to help buy things for my friends and family and help people in the property market and get myself on there and get a, quite a nice posh dog. You know, so it's, I got it for free. Um, but it's, it's, it's allowed me to do so many things that there's always a payoff. You know, there's always a little bit of selling your soul to the devil. Not saying Simon's the devil, it's definitely Louis. But, you know, it's 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 one of those things that 
if you go into it thinking nothing bad's going to happen for me putting myself out there to be judged by everyone yeah of course but don't allow and it will never be 30 percent. but don't allow that smaller margin of people that give you a hard time to ruin your party i already said this majority of people don't give a I swear, don't give a fuck about you. And majority of people don't. Some love you. Love you. Um, there's a particular person called Bernie. I don't know. She'll be, her ears will break up just from me saying her name. But, you know, and Sue and stuff. You know, other people. But so lovely. And then some people just hate you. Try not to focus on the people that hate you. Yeah, it's that one fine. guy sticking his finger up for getting It's about not it, important. Yeah. Or engage. Just engage. Like, if people give me a hard time on social media, I'd just send them a smiley face. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, mean, I think the, the, you mentioned you came forth, right, and, and Jedward was on with you, and I, when I think of the year that you were in, I feel that so many people done really, really well out the back of that. You know, you obviously had Stacey Solomon. Did she come third? She came. You know your stuff, yeah. don't you? Ollie Murs. I always think that he won, but he came second. That's just that's sacrilege for Joe McEldry. You're so mean. Um, He's going to be next week's guest, which is horrible. Joe McEldry? Yeah, no, I'm joking. Uh, he came I, first. Aye, and... Don't I'm say that. I'm not. I didn't say anything. You're judging me straight. Follow away. him, and you'll see what he's doing. He's no, having no. a lovely holiday in Cornwall. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what, what I'm saying is, I, f- I feel that when you were on X Factor, everyone was coming off the back of it and doing really well. And yeah. certainly from the one that you, like the people that you were on with, they've all had really successful careers. Yeah, and Lucy Jones, uh, who's uh, on my podcast, best thing, just like getting out in there. Um, she did Eurovision for us. Jed was done Eurovision twice for us, and Big Brother. Rachel Adadeji was in, is in Hollyoaks. We're just finishing Hollyoaks. She was in the West End. Can you do the the voice? Rachel Adadeji. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> what a great, what a great name. That's a name for it, isn't it? It's so there's no other name. There's some great uh, Rachel Adadeji memes uh, when she was at judges' houses. Was it judges' that? No, it was boot camp. And she found out that Danny was going to be her judge, and uh, she so excited she just falls over. So everyone runs to the judge to see it, but you'll just see this clip. I'll play it at the end, and uh, well, we'll pin it in the link below. And, uh, and and she just runs and falls over, and it's it's incredible. But she's a lovely, lovely lady. I'm trying to get her to do my podcast, but she's just ignoring me right now. So she's she'll, busy. She'll she's a busy lady. Yeah, it's fine. What was your opinion on Simon Cowell then? Because he was your your mentor. He has very soft hands. Does he? No, why do I say him like that? It sounds like he <laughs> touched me. He didn't touch <laughs> me. Well, he, 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 he hugged me. That was fine. No, he does have really soft hands. Like yeah, he's not done a hard day's labour. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? He's never been in the garden. Ever try and get you to wear your trousers up a bit higher? Um, all the time, because I do wear them ridiculously low, because I'm a gangster. Um, <laughs> no, um, so, no, Simon was really nice. He, we got told by the producers that he'd never treated anyone the way he treated me and Ollie in the show at that time. Like, even when One Direction came, it he, he took him, like, quite a while until he knew their names. I mean, he knows their names now. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Simon, Simon's cool. Actually, they were all, they were all nice. Some nicer than others. And there was a lot of controversial stuff that happened in the show. But yeah, they were all, no one was horrible. Apart from Denise Van Elton. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> not a nice person? No, it's not that she wasn't nice. She just bloody hated me. Right. Which, which, which really got to me because I absolutely loved her and grew up with her as a child. Which, by the way, no one likes hearing that. Because someone said that to me, like, oh, when I was on that, when you were on X Factor, I loved you when I was a kid. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you old bastard. <laughs> Shot down. <laughs> but I'm sure De- uh, Denise is very lovely. I actually like her on Couple Box. So, um, so yeah, maybe we I could. Quite maybe like her sh- husband, I think. Or her boyfriend. Oh, I right, calm down. Get a room. No, oh, I think he's quite cool. 
I thought you were going to say cute then. No, no, it's really a cool cute. couple, but you've, you've changed my opinion. No, 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 don't, no. Because also, something happened 11 years ago. Like, if you have an opinion about someone, you know, you don't bring it, on a po- bring it up on a podcast 11 years late. Oh, wait a minute. That's what I just did. Yeah. Sorry. Denise, why don't you come and do my podcast? There you go. Listen, 11, and year, 11 years on. Yeah. I mean, you've done so much since then, but in the aftermath of it, what, you go on tour for three months, four months? Yeah, tour for three months. Um, 57 shows. Um, around the whole of the UK, sold out 500,000 tickets. Like, what? We auditioned at the O2, and we're playing the O2 one year later, four nights sold out, 80,000 people. Was there any thoughts of, I'm going back to be a drama teacher, or was that? Yeah, straight away. I'd be like, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. That's done. Yeah, I'm, I've done it. Tick. Let's go back to teaching. Uh, no, I, yeah. I, I really wanted to, and I, I kind of went out and, and, and still helped out and did sort of drama at different schools and did talks and blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, uh, I just I thought, I'm going to finish this tour. I'm going to go on holiday. So where did I go? Into the Bahamas. It's very nice. Um, and uh, just for my friend, and we went and swam with sharks. It was amazing. And then came back, and I was like, right, let's go and work on music. I'm going to work on music. Did you go to Nashville? I did. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Saying that? Where are your notes? I just don't understand how you're doing this. It's coming out of your brain, isn't it? Do you, do you think about it yesterday? Like, like, no, 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 I'm sure you've told me that. Yeah, I probably, because I say yeah. the same stuff all the time. Um, yeah, so I went to Nashville and worked with a wonderful producer called Jamie Kenny. And um, there was a singer that I loved called Mark Broussard. And if you don't know Mark Broussard, go and check him out. Um, the link's below. Um, and then, so I'm going to make you do so many links below. It's fine. I'm looking at I'm you. I'm writing it down. Stop it's fine. That, links please. below. Um, and I loved him. And I was just like, oh, I want my album to sound like him. And so my manager messaged his manager and said, hey, you know, we're trying to get some songs and blah, blah, blah. Is there any songs that Mark's not using or doesn't want to have? And, you know, blah. And uh, he was like, yeah, let's have a look. And then got another message and saying, actually, Mark said he'll, work, he'll write with Dan. So can you come to Nashville? Know. So we so went amazing. to Nashville and then wrote with this guy called Mark. And it was fun. Though we wrote a song called Don't Take It Personal uh, and that we never did anything with because Mark didn't like it. And I was like, oh, crap, this is, this is going to be a really horrible session. So we've flown like halfway across the world, world to kind of just do a song with someone and they're just going to be difficult. And I love Mark. Anyway, so we, I went outside and I spoke to my friend Ben, um, Ben Ashton, and he said, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he went, well, why don't you just go up there and just tell them what you want? Just say it. Just say you want to carry on this song or you're going to do another song. Just go up there and just say it. I was like, okay, cool. And uh, I was downstairs and I was just going, okay, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it. And then I just came up with a brand new song in my head, recorded it on my phone, ran upstairs and I just went, this is what we're going to work on, played it to him. And then that was the song, which actually might come out next year. It's been, it was a while ago we recorded That's it. Amazing. but Yeah, so. And did you have any support from X Factor, from the judges, from, or did you just do all this off your own back? So you finished the tour. Are you then out on your own? Or are you? Yeah, out on my own. Um, we had some nice people that kind of... Um, Gave us some money to to do some projects that obviously failed. It was like giving any, you know, business or anything at the beginning to go and go, go and do this. And music's like the worst thing because like you got everyone wants to get paid and no one does anything for free. And um, so, yeah, we um, went out and sort of made some music and stuff and had a little help. But we didn't have nearly anything. This is all. And my manager is still my manager to this day. We're still doing stuff. I mean, he's probably made about, 25 pounds for me in 20, 20 years but like you he know must like you. he's still there I mean I don't know if he does I've just, I, just I know stuff about him so he has to no, I, don't, I don't know anything about him so you come back from Nashville what was your what was your next steps 
Next steps. Uh, then I just was on tour for ages. I just played shows. I was like, Did you do any of these like club appearances or anything? The like club that? appearance was intense. This girl came up to me and she was like, Hey, um, can you sign my, um, can you sign me? And I said, Yeah, no problem. I'm like, I, the arm or you know whatever. And then she was wearing a dress and she just pulled the dress over her head and wanted me to sign her stomach. And I was just like, Okay. That's fine. And then I was at, uh, doing a, a, a like a show. I think it might have been up here, actually. Where was the place? Campus, here. Campus, just across the road. Oh, just around the corner. My, I know it doesn't exist anymore, but yeah. oh, my Campus was way old, Daniel. So we did, the, we did the under-18s and the over-18s, right? I still have tinnitus. <laughs> <laughs> screaming. From that show. It must be on YouTube somewhere, but oh, I remember that because actually everyone from X Factor used to everyone. go to campus. That's why they don't exist anymore. Was you know a, Sunday night, a Sunday night or something like that? Do you know how much they paid us to do that? It was I was like, there's no way you're getting this money back. But the alcohol that people are drinking, the over-18s, of course. Do you know that the funny thing about that is I'm sure it was a pound of drinking campus as well. So the, the money was maybe coming from somewhere else. It must be. No, I'm not making any accusations there at it's all. It's fine. Allegedly is what Allegedly, we say. Yeah, yeah, we just said that. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I very much love, uh, love playing. Actually, all the places in, in Scotland that we got to, we do uh, we did Aberdeen. We didn't do Edinburgh. Is there, is there an arena in Edinburgh? Yeah, there there's, wasn't. There's the Usher Hall, which is probably the biggest one. Sometimes they have gigs out near the airport in Ingolston, but there's I don't know if it, I don't Edinburgh know if it's relaxing big, venues. I don't know if it's does. big enough, you know what I mean? Like, we just don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's too close to Glasgow as well. It is too close you know, to Glasgow. And we, we didn't have the lovely, is it the Hydro? What's it called? The Hydro now, yeah. Hydro, so yeah. you've been at the SECC. Yes, we were. Yeah. yeah. And that was fun. And then we did Aberdeen as well, because they've got a big one, um, big venue up there. Uh, the EECC, I think. I mean, you're just Something telling me. Right. We'll put it in the links below. That's <laughs> 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 the name of my new podcast, Links Below. Links Below. Uh, yeah, so we just kind of did that. And then this lovely um, company in red came up to me and uh, came to my agent and said, hey, we'd like to get Dan to sing at some events. I was like, okay. Like just two songs, and we'll pay him, and uh, just sing sing at the event. I was like, cool. Where are we? Where have I got to go? They're like, it's glamorous, Scarborough. Hello. So um, I tied it up. We went all the way up to Scarborough, and um, they didn't have time for two songs. They just had time for one. So it's fine because always everyone. People's supposed to go lottery is the company, and I have been there ever since. And that was back in two thousand and eleven. It has been a long time. Is that how time. long ago that was? Yes. And that's how I know you. Of course, I. I know everyone who's been listening to this. If you haven't turned off already, but that's how me and Derek know each other. Mm. Yes. I was lucky enough to Don't listen to your, your one song that you got to sing at the <laughs> end of <the> events. <laughs> <laughs> I think they always said two, and then they had the first one. And like, we'll just have one. It's fine. What, it's what it's the morning. Think, what were you thinking when you done that? Because obviously, you know, you, you started off singing at events, and then over time, you've become an ambassador for Postcode Lottery as well. Was was that something that you, you had to consider, or did you just think, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this? I'm saying thank you to Judy McCourt. Judy, massive shout out to Judy McCourt. She's the other presenter, and she just championed me, which is funny because she, she always says that she hated me on X Factor. No, she'll tell me off on that one. She didn't like me on X Factor. She thought I was boring, which is fair, because if you look at my track list of what I had to sing, Man in the Mirror, Purple Rain, I Have Nothing, I Am Telling You, We Are the Champions, I can't remember anymore. Feeling good. Um, just hey, You were quite boring though. You oh, that, right? so boring. And I wanted like really cool songs, but bloody Ollie Murr's got the cool songs, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm joking. But like it, it was, you know, it is that difficult. But when obviously doing Postcode Lottery and being an ambassador for a great team and meeting, you know, yourself and, and, and I know how close everyone 
are and is and people have left and you know people still want to talk to and it's like it's it's my star maker right now of like theater schools and to now go out and watch you know it was jude and angus and then it was scott Quinnell and stuff like that and to watch them do that and you know this money i need to say giving money out but i'll probably get told off for that but whatever um you know the money being given to players um is is incredible and especially right now in this time that we've had in 2020 like it's so difficult for people anyway and no one has any job security no one has any security in themselves no one wants to go outside everyone's scared and then we're doing this wearing masks right now great sound um and so we it we just feel like when we phone someone up and say you've just won some money the reactions have been incredible and we're actually going back out onto the street it's been six months and we haven't seen anyone so we're actually going we're filming a christmas advert as well um and hopefully it feels a bit normal but i don't think it's ever going to be normal again but i think what we're going to do as a company is that we don't always have to come and see you it's good to not always travel so far and people fly and all that stuff if we can remotely just go hey let's talk to you on zoom or whatever um it's a thing that they may have not have done without this pandemic, you know, so now we've got to try new things and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people, and we've got some good content, but, you know, the, the guys, Jeff Brazier and Matt Johnson and everyone else working in the company just miss you so much, Derek. Thank you. We For do. those that don't know, you know, you're, you're obviously turning up at people's doors and, and giving them 30 grand, 100 grand, sometimes more than that. And it must be quite rewarding, you know, it must be. Yeah. I mean, just, I think we see when people win money. Someone once said, I said, what What does this mean to you? They're like, what are you going to do with it? And they're like, oh, like a really big cushion. And I was like, wow, like how big's your sofa? But they actually meant just in like in their bank account, it'd be a nice cushion. So, so <laughs> um, but I think when when people win this money, the relief on their shoulders. So they say you're 10,000 pounds in debt and you win 30 grand, 100 grand still got some money left you paid off that thing that's been keeping you up for years it's done you know what i mean for the sake of you know your 10 pound a month whatever and it's something you think you're never gonna win and then all of a sudden there's a cheeky jeff brazier on your doorstep or trying to facetime with you or zoom and then all of a sudden you've got 30 grand in your account a month later it's amazing life-changing for some yeah and i only play with two tickets i'm gonna let you know Oh, it's always up north. <laughs> That's what they'll say, isn't it? Uh, if you're down it's, safe, it's, it's always down south. It's always wherever you... I always ask this question. Would you rather it be one postcode away or 400 miles away? I'm going to let you know. I want it 400 miles away. Uh, you don't one want to see winning money? No. Oh, no. That annoyed the crap out of me. More recently, let's talk about the podcast. Here we go. Tell us all about let's it. Let's do it. Um, How would you describe it to, to those that haven't seen it? Because for me, it's very light-hearted feel good i thought you were gonna say shit no, not as good as yours it's not as good as this one no though. nothing is as good as this but if one you, if you've not once you've listened to every episode of this they can go and listen to yours they you can know, i think that's fair right? links below um so <laughs> <laughs> no it's great you know it's brilliant it's really light-hearted it's upbeat it's fun you know it's energetic you've got yeah. some great guests everyone can talk about food tv and film music travel which i i realize i can't actually say the word travel without just sounding a bit common nothing wrong with being common at all but i can't do it travel no see um and something random and we just talk about those some of the best things that have happened in their life to do with those things what's the best thing about food people have said pizza wait a minute do you like fruit on the pizza derek i'm not against it oh i wouldn't 
No, I'm not against it. I don't mm. mind pineapple on a pizza. I know people get really offended by that. Get really offended about it. It wouldn't be my first choice, but I'd, I wouldn't be against what it. What is your first choice? Let's go. There's a there's a place not too far from here called Pisano, which in my opinion do the best pizzas. In Didn't you have Scotland. a pizza there not long ago with a friend of ours called Alison? Did I? The other yeah. night, yeah. She'll be annoyed if we don't give her a text after that. Oh. No, I, I love anything, you know, I like salami, I like... This is another controversial one, right, that people, like, I love mushrooms. How is that controversial? Some people hate mushrooms. Yeah, but they just haven't had them done well. I like mushrooms on a pizza. Love mushrooms on a pizza. Yeah, I'd go with that. My pizza topping is disgusting. What is it? It is capers, anchovies, oh, no. and olives. <laughs> Get out. Yeah, Get exactly. Out. But do you know why? I'll give you olives, but I'm not having anchovies. No, but do you know why? No one wants any of my pizza or mine. Have a pizza that no one else... If you get a pizza that is gorgeous <laughs> and everyone wants a bit, you're only going to get like half. I get a whole pizza because no one is going to... Apart from a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, no one is going to go near my pizza. I know that is selfish. Hello. <laughs> There you go. That's why we have podcasts, because we're selfish and we like talking. So the, the best thing with Daniel Johnson, people talk about the best things. What is your best thing about the podcast? Um, Look at you what? on the spot there. That was, wasn't yeah, it? I, I, guess it's, it. I guess it's just catching up with people. It's, it's finding out stuff about people that you know, or you know of, that you didn't know. Like those little things, like who, who probably cares that if people like, you know, pasta or but you know blah 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 but sometimes a reasoning or it's the same thing as yours you know if it's a tv or film uh, we've got a lovely little tagline i would call our podcast um and i say ah oh, because everyone who's on it are all collective family but i call the podcast the goggle box for the ears because we talk about music we have music artists on the podcast we talk about film and tv we talk about you know food and places to go and have food we talk about you know all different kind of things travel and blah 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 and I think that that could spark off an idea for other people to go and do stuff. And when I watch Gogglebox, I watch TV programs because it was on Gogglebox. And I'm like, ah, I'll definitely check out that. It is definitely one of my favourite TV shows and the concept of it is, is crazy. You're watching people watch. How many times at home have you pretended that you're on Gogglebox? Because I do it all the time. I've got a couple of friends and we spend <laughs> a lot of Friday nights with them, myself, <laughs> Natalie and Nathan. And we always say, you know, like, I would love to be on that show. I met the producer and I didn't make a good enough impression. So. Are you trying your best? Yeah, my really good. Uh, yeah. Maybe you should have sang. Uh, I, I think that definitely would have put me lower than right. You should have said I so. used to be in a boy band uh, called Up Front. Oh my God, your memory. No notes. Oh, weird. Um, for some reason, I got my laptop set up here and stuff like that. I've, I looked at nothing. So guess-wise, we've had some lovely guests. Um, we've had, like I said, Ben Haynell, Joe Amara, um, Lucy Jones is a new guest, uh, a guy called Jordan Luke Gage, and if you don't know him, he is the lead in um, The Western Show and Juliet, and he plays Romeo. And season two started recording already. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever watched Bake Off? Yes. Have you ever watched Benidorm? I've seen bits of it, but I've not just watched it. Just say yes, it's just weird. It's, otherwise, this doesn't work. Have you ever watched X Factor? Yes. Good, thank you. You're doing really well. Have you ever... <laughs> I don't know how, how many can I go for this. Have you ever watched a TV program by HBO and BBC called I May Destroy You? No. Okay. I'm supposed to say yes, but... I was anyway. meant to say yes. Whatever, it's fine. Ruined it now. Um, yeah, so we've got guests from Bake Off. We've got someone. We've got the writer from Benidorm. Um, we've got um, one of the actors from I May Destroy. You. If you haven't seen it, it's Michaela Cole. Great um, TV show that you can probably get on iPlayer. And new guest, the voice of X Factor, Wagner. No, Peter <laughs> Dixon. That's uh, brilliant. Who's such a recognisable voice as well, isn't it? Daniel Johnson. I'm not going to make him do it though. Yeah, no, I'm not going to. He was my uh, voice arch machine. For maybe two years, because I made him 
made him do it. Don't laugh. That's how they do. You have got through to Daniel. Did Daniel he actually Daniel. do that? Yeah. He can't take a call right now. Maybe you could get him to do the Rachel Adagy. Whatever her name is. Again. Try it again. <laughs> Rachel Adadeji. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> She's That's had like three name checks. Yes, yeah, so he just... Uh, so, and now I'm doing like organising series three as well. Oh, best guess so far, right? Not happened yet. My mum's doing series two. I think that's brilliant. How nice is that? Because I, I I don't know if this is maybe talking out of tongue, and I don't want to say that your mum's going to die, but she will eventually. Wow. And Wow. We spoke about this before. But she is 87 and doing <laughs> really well, okay? But having these things to look back on, <laughs> when you've got voice recordings of you speaking to your mum about your best things in life, and she's saying, my best thing in life is my son, Daniel Johnson, and everything that She is achieved. never going to say that. You can listen back to that. Yeah, I know. But I probably won't because it either make me cry or I'll be really pissed off that she said my, like my sister. No, but listen, we spoke about this before, yeah, you know, did. off camera. And it's, I think having people, I mean, we have people that we don't know or we don't know too well as guests on our podcast. And we sometimes think, who's the most interesting? Who's the most famous person I know? Who can we get in the podcast? But really, real life people are what people want to hear. Yeah. Jack Whitehall has changed his career because he took his dad around. You know what I mean? And like everyone's doing this Ramesh Ranganathan took his mum around. It's yeah. like, I'm getting my mum on my podcast. People want real life stories, don't they? They want um, people that they can relate to. And I'm sure you're my mum is all about the camper van life right now. She's up at Loch Ness right now. She's loving Scottish life. She's driven all the way from Kent up to Scotland, and she's in a little camper van running around the country, enjoying life. Good and I that. love that. Yeah, and that's something that you'll be able to treasure forever. Yeah, know? I mean, yeah. Not doesn't mean she's going to die. You know, I, you mean, know I mean, I mean, we're all going to die. Yeah, is that where we go? And it's now we're finished. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> they were dead. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, so I'm going to get like a family member or a really close friend to do each series. So just a little insight of their life, my life, and uh, and then I'm going to encourage people to do best thing at home. Ask your friends and family. Do your own version of the podcast and send it to us. You know, blah blah blah, and. And are you going to keep the same concept from series two, series three? Because so it's worked so well so far. It's, it's so. worked well. I have to remember which order it is. I never remember at all. It's, it's food, travel, TV and film, music. music, random. We've got a new one. Oh, let's see if you can answer this. I want you to do the podcast as well. So will you do I'll mine? I'll you to it. Okay, that's fine. You can do series 17 or whatever. Um, <laughs> Episode 41. When, when I'm, when I'm big. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what is, Derek, the best thing about you? See, I want to do this in America because you can imagine Americans like Sal. <laughs> Where do I start? There are so many things that is great. <laughs> this goes back to this uh, what we were talking about earlier that you know Scottish people and yourself, you've got this not inferiority complex. What do we call it? Um, if they rewind and re-listen all the way back to the beginning, that'd be great because yeah. we get double listens, isn't it? So let's not tell them. <laughs> I, I forgot myself. That's why I'm asking you. Imposter syndrome. It goes back to that. You know, some you put someone on the spot and you ask them that, and you don't want to say. Oh, the best thing about me is X, Y, or Z, because you think that you'll sound like a cocky bastard. I want you to say the most cockiest thing ever, like you're good at nutmeg, nutmegging people. Can you? Does I it genuinely don't know. The, I don't oh, know the stop thing, it! There's too many. If it's definitely watch. not your driving, but stop it. <laughs> no, Just it's definitely <laughs> my driving. Uh, the best thing about me is I think I have the capability to speak to lots of different people, regardless of background, and feel comfortable around them. Oh, I like that. So around around the pool, is that what you're saying? <laughs> No, I, th I think that people should speak to everyone on the same level, and I, I think joking. that's something that I tend to do. No, I only think you you're know, very well. You, I think you should be able to walk into a room and speak to someone who's royalty or speak to someone who's on the street the same way as you should. I think, because everyone's a human being. Yeah, and I, and I think 
I am quite good at speaking to people. But I, I can I can I tell you what your best thing is? Go for it. Okay. You're driving. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think with you, Derek, I think you are incredible, and it kind of goes into what you're just saying. You're incredibly personable. Um, you're very down to earth. Um, I think the likability uh, likability factor is so high. And when you left the company, I'm just going to say no one noticed. No, I'm going to say when you left, it was the biggest hole, and it never has been filled because who you are and your calmness. I think what it is about you is you're always calm. Your your partner probably not saying the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> She'll be watching She'll be like, this thing. What? what? what is he talking Why about? does he say? Who is this Derek, Derek is very calm. How much do they pay to say but that? work-wise, I always think people are different at work than they are at home, so that's fine. But I'm just balancing on work and knowing you from slightly outside work. But you always were calm and you never made anyone like feel like they're faffing or they're, like they're, they're flapping around and not knowing what they're doing. You always brought that sort of nice zen. So I'm saying the best thing about Derek is the calmness and the zen that you bring to Thank others. You. I think that's brilliant. Is that nice? As you say, Natalie will be watching this thinking, what? She'll be like, about? that ain't, ain't true. But well, that's, that's fine. That's very true. I think I'm a very zen person. You are. You are very zen. You can, if Thank you sure. listen back to all the podcasts, you'll see how zen he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Can I just say, um, these mics, lovely. I've already been on, I can say, Amazon, because we're not on the BBC. I've just bought one. Because okay. I've got one already. But not one of these. I've got um, Rhodes. Love this. I don't know if you get any money from Rhodes. You've got loads of Rhodes stuff there. But maybe let's sponsor this this whole setup. I think Rhodes. If you're listening to this, there you go. They're brilliant. Eh? We'll put it in the link. How many <laughs> links are we having underneath this? Daniel, other than the podcast, what else is in the in the pipeline? Oh God, uh, this will finish soon. I'm so sorry for people's ears. Uh, we I started writing a sitcom. Which is weird. Just drop that in there. Eh? Just right just, just as you do. Yeah. Started writing a sitcom. A student of mine, um, back in the day, Rachel Taylor. She's actually 30 now, which is mental. It just makes me feel like I was a very young teacher. But um, she came to me. Um, she did like this show. And I said, you know, a couple of years ago, and I said, oh, you're awesome. But you need something that's yours. Sure. Something that's yours. She's like, cool. And then about two, three years later, at the beginning of lockdown, she said, would you write something with me? So yeah, so we started writing a sitcom. We're kind of on second draft and we're just pulling in some actors and we're going to do a read through and then rewrite and blah, blah, blah. So it's very, very early stages. Um, and the concept so far is a, is about um, two people that live in a, a house share and one leaves. Um, um, but the two people are still there. So there's three people at the beginning, but we don't meet, meet the other person and they have to fill that position. And I don't know if you ever lived in a house share before, but the dyna- it's a bit like you leaving postcard lottery. You can't fill that wonderful space that someone was there. Um, and so whoever does come in is just substandard or ruins the whole dynamic. Um, and that's kind of the centerpiece for it with the wonderful characters that we've kind of fleshed out. Um, and it's a bit about like life. And this goes back to what we said before. Life can be 90% crap, but 10% is enough to drag you through to the next day. You know what I mean? That little glibber. Sure. There you go. When can we expect it on the telly? Well, I mean, we're, no we're, we're gonna we're gonna shoot a pilot next year when we're allowed to social distancing shooting stuff because um, you're gonna be in a small house, and then we'll hopefully edit it and release a pilot just probably just on YouTube. We'll strip it around a little bit because I'm sure if it gets picked up, we'll remake it. But um, we're gonna shoot the pilot, and then hopefully end of next year. 
to do that. And then we've already figured out what we're going to do for the whole series. So we kind of fleshed out what we're doing for the whole. I can say flesh out anymore. But um, yeah, it's it's cool. But it, it's, it's going to be different. And uh, I think I've got a weird concept. So I'm so inspired by TV programs. And if you do get a chance to watch uh, I May Destroy You, uh, if you watch Fleabag, if you watched... Um, and there's a new one called Semi Detached with Lee Mackin. And even if you're not a Lee Mack fan, because I'm not a Lee Mack fan, but he's incredible. And I was just like, oh, it's a bit like Ricky Gervais with Afterlife. People are like, oh, I don't like Ricky Gervais. And they watch Afterlife and they're like, this shit's amazing. Like, it he just, what did he just say to that ginger kid? You know what I mean? Like, it was, it was, inc- it was incredible. You know, it's just so funny and, and sad and morbid. And I think my stomach just rumbled as well because I was drinking fizzy water. Sorry. So you're the next Ricky Gervais. I, let's, can we clip bake that? Yeah, What's Daniel Johnson, next Ricky Gervais from Reading. I'm having it. Done. Daniel, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for, for coming on. Thank you. Great sound. Love this. It's lovely. Eh? Yeah. Thanks to everyone who has liked and subscribed to this podcast. If you've not done so, please do so now uh, and go back and check some old episodes. Thanks once again to the podcast rooms for having us today uh, and cheers for listening. They'll be in the links below. See you next time.